0: In um, 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, last week we dealt with verse 6 and got into verse 7 a little bit. We didn't quite finish verse 7, that last phrase where we dealt with it just uh, a little bit, maybe uh, right at the tip, but uh, when it talks about the proof of our faith, and being tested by fire, that we may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As we are tested and we prove our faith, uh, which is more precious than gold, and it, it is not uh, perishable like gold is, or any other material things, we see that uh, our faith is to result in this praise and glory and honor. Uh, The result of this refining is that we know that God gets praise, God gets honor, God gets glory. And that is the reason we exist. And not only that, is that His glory is going to magnificently be reflected through our faith. Um, Our faith is kind of like a mirror. It's going to reflect off of that. So, Believe it or not, we get praise, in a sense, and honor and glory. We're looking for that glorification. I'll go through a few verses on that. I don't want to make it sound like you know, all this is for our glory because we know better than that. But there is a sense of where we'll be rewarded and um, where God, in, a, in, the, in that sense, praises us and honors us Um I think the more pure and refined the gold is of our faith is the more clear His beauty and His worth is seen in our lives. We reflect that off, and the more we reflect that off, the more He's glorified as people see that, as He works in us. Um, Let's go to a few verses to kind of help support that. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 5. 1 Corinthians 4. five, Chapter 4, verse 5. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts and then each man's praise will come to him from God. Have you ever thought of that? That God would be praising you. Now, it's not in the sense that how we praise Him, um, but there is the reward sense in being faithful to Him. And so it says here, each man's praise will come to him from God. I think that's rather magnificent. Well, you want to remember what Jesus said way back in Matthew 25, Dealing with uh, it's a parable, but this is what it will be like whenever we go before the judgment seat of Christ. You know, one of these days he's he's going to bring forth what the true motives are. He's going to show forth what, what is true, what uh, that gold is, um, through faith. Matthew twenty five twenty one says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the, look at this, joy of your master. Enter into God's joy. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what we all want to hear? Uh, drop down into verse 23. you see it again, His master said to him, "Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Oh, that's, that's a good thing to hear. Well, let's keep going. Look in Romans 2 verse seven, and here it talks about glory. We were talking about praise, getting praise from our master. And being faithful to him. Romans 2 7 says, To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for look at this glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. There he's talking about the ones who really are believers, and they're the ones who seek for glory, the ultimate glory. And of course there's there's honor and such in that. Look in verse ten. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Who's the one who does good? He's the one who believes in Christ. Uh, There (coughs) is glory, honor, and peace. Usually you think of this as only reserved for God. But this is coming in the sense of our faithfulness of how we have lived our lives here.
1: Yeah, but he's the one that
0: gives us that. (coughs) Right. It's all coming from him. Obviously, anything that we have is not really of our own selves. Uh, whether it be, you know, we have love. Yes, we and God loves us, right? Uh, but there it, again, it comes from Him. Um, Colossians chapter three, verse four. Pretty exciting, huh? When Christ, who is our life, He is our life. He is our life, is revealed whenever we finally see Him, when He comes back. Then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. He will take back the veil and will be with Him in glory. Will be revealed with Him in glory. We will be glorified. Glorified saints. <laughs> that is really tremendous. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 This kind of deals with uh, the rewards. Quite a few verses on that. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. That's a mark of a Christian, isn't it? I would think that all Christians would want Him to uh, to appear, to come back. So, anyway, that's a little bit of the idea of praise and glory and honor. And we'll finally see the design that uh, God has had using distress in our present time period that we're in, when we do have distress and tribulation and trials and such. Um, but... I think when we when we finally see that design, and right now it's good to be able to start understanding that a little bit. And we understand then why we're going through what we go through. Because God is getting us ready for the day that we'll be in glory. Sharing, We'll be sharing in the very glory and praise and honor of God Himself. That's where He's putting us. And I have to be real careful with that. Because it it almost sounds like it's um, getting us into some kind of godhood. It's not, but it's a glorified uh, saint status in the sense that we will be sharing the very glory of God as he shares it with us. He allows us to be uh, that much like Christ. I mean, that's phenomenal. And that's what Peter, I think, is really trying to stress here to this group of people who are really are going through a very difficult time or will be going through a very difficult time. And so, let's read these verses in verse 8 and 9 and we'll get into where we're dealing with tonight. That sets us up. Are you, are you set up now for the, what, what a Christian is? Enjoying inexpressible joy? <laughs> and though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. That's another powerful packed section, isn't it? Why does Paul tell his readers here what they're experiencing? He tells them what they're experiencing. The, you know, you're okay. You're loving Christ, you're believing in Christ, and you're rejoicing in Christ. He tells them that. That's what they're doing. They're experiencing. it It's kind of funny that he would tell them, "Hey, here's what you're doing." Uh, I think maybe one of the reasons is that he's telling what true Christianity really is and where it's headed. And he puts it in really in a nutshell. We're only at verse eight and nine, and we've been here several weeks, haven't we? just trying to glean some of these precious truths we could have been staying even longer on those but i think it's incredible to think that if if one ever gets so down that they they feel like they just want to drop out of this all we have to do is look at the fixed standard that that god has here and what what peter has written for instance to show them what's happening here's what's happening to your life um uh, we're doing this, God is, is saying, because it's, it's necessary. It's necessary that you have a whole bunch of different kinds of trials so that this will show what is really true. It'll show your faith and how true it is and what God has given us. So true Christianity is like this. And Piper gives us a really vivid illustration. So I'll share that with you. I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. It's like swimming upstream in a river of godlessness. You're swimming against the flow. There used to be a t-shirt out by Caruso and said uh, uh, against the flow. Like fish. Oh. It, it was like, yeah, it's like fish and such.
1: No,
0: yeah, they're they're coming this way and we're going this way. And so, if you take some key words here in verse 8, though you've seen him, uh, though you've not seen him, you what? Love him. And though you do not see him now, but what? believe in Him and you greatly rejoice. So what we have? Love. We have faith. We have joy. And what you're doing is that you're taking a stroke that's like love to Christ. You take another stroke and what's that? That's your faith in Christ. You take another stroke and what's that? That's our joy. As we're going against Christ the grain, against the whole flow of of this happening. And he says, while we swim, we're not getting swept away with all that godless um, cataracts, (laughs) a judgment coming right on down the river. We just keep on swimming. So we take those one at a time. And so Piper went on to say, if you look back in verse 5, God keeps us through what? Through faith. We're protected by the power of God through faith. The faith that He has granted us and He enables us. He gives us the power and the strength to swim against the stream with the strokes of faith and love and joy. It gets tiresome. You feel like just kind of stopping. What's going to happen if you stop? You're going to start floating right on down the river. And you're you keep doing those those strokes. And so we have, we have a coach here tonight. His name is Coach Peter. <laughs> and Peter is like saying, okay, look, you're doing well. You love Christ. And you believe in Him. You really are trusting in Him. You don't have anything else to trust in. It and, and you're rejoicing. Now, this is where you are. So it's like saying, okay, as you're doing these strokes, you might feel like just stopping and in case you do you start to begin to float on down it's like peter says remember you were it's like he he could stick a flag on the other side of the river as we look up at it there maybe on the shore we say this is where you're at, where you were at you need you have to get back up there you're going to have to do those strokes remember the love that you have remember the faith and such so we have a fixed point of reference to call us back to what Christianity is. It's, it's, and it's right here. It's right here. Peter's describing it. This is true Christianity. And God is saving our souls by working in our hearts what? Let's say it again. Love, a confidence, like faith, and this joy against the stream of worldliness, Against the stream of secularism, against the godlessness that is in our society, and it's a hard swim, isn't it? But he reminds you, yeah. But look where you're at. So anyway, uh, look at verse nine, uh, and we're not—we haven't covered eight yet. But it, where, where is it leading to? That you will progressively get to that goal. We're now receiving for our souls, in part, even right now, what? Salvation. We are being delivered. We are being delivered we do that. So, let's go into that word love. Why do we rejoice? Why, um, by the way, not only rejoice, but what kind of rejoicing it says? Greatly rejoice. Now, Peter has done this before, hasn't he? Remember in verse 6, greatly rejoice and then you back up in verse 3 according to his what? great mercy I think that's a pretty good adjective as, uh, and there's nothing in the human language that can stress how important this is so great pretty well does it doesn't it you know. uh, yeah why is your great joy inexpressible And why is it full of glory? Because you love Him and what? Trust Him. So if anybody was to ask you, well, tell me, what is a Christian then? Well, I'll tell you who a Christian is. Someone who loves Christ. (laughs) One who loves Christ. I don't think there's any better way to show your and demonstrate your belief and bringing out the fact that you love Christ and you love Him continually. Uh, 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 one who's not a Christian may say he's a Christian, but if he doesn't love Christ, he's not a Christian, right? He has to love Christ. Love you I
1: mean, right. How do you see do the love? How do you the bread? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love coffee too. <laughs>
0: Right, right. When I
1: mean, you would throw that word "love" around, so it's really mean, nowadays all different. Love. that book. I just loved it. And I loved that. that. Exactly. I think the true meaning of godly love, and
0: I love God, is been diluted. And, and you just said it. You said godly love. The word is agapao, and that's what that is. That's that's only. It uh, can be described as God's love, and so He loves us. And he—he's the first one who loves us, but then we love him, so we have a godly love back only because he's given it to us, and that—that that we can do that. And so it's incredible. A
1: way to that, so even a believer, I mean,
0: how do we know? Sometimes we might question. Well, do I really love him? Right. Right. And of course, that's where. You, well. I think that's where the next thing we go, we have to look at Peter.
1: Because
0: he was really questioned. He's the only guy, I mean, that came face to face with Christ to have his love questioned. You know, uh, I guess ex- except for Judas. <laughs> you know, and, uh, But I mean, oh ye of little faith. Peter, do you what? Love me. Peter, do you what? He had seen Christ. He had walked with Christ. Uh, He had ate with him and drank with him and fished with him. And I mean, he did so many things with him for three years. And here he is telling these people that they love him. I mean, he's telling them that. And they would say, well, wait a minute. How do you know? I I tell you what, I haven't been doing too good lately. I'm not so sure if I do love him. I'm not so sure if I've even loved him. And that's the thing where we're kind of floating backwards. (laughs) And we need to keep taking those strokes because here's the standard. The standard says we do love Him. All Christians love Him. And say, well, what constitutes the love? How much is love? It is of love. Well, as we look at this tonight, the more that, and we'll get into that, I hope this will describe it, but faith will describe that. That will help a little bit there too. If The more we know of Christ because of the Gospels, because of the whole Bible, the more we see of that, the more we see his beauty, and the more we see of that beauty, and we see of the excellencies of him, the more we even love him even more. We just can't, we just can't wait to see him one day, and we want to love him even more. The more we know about him, the more we want him. I think that can help. Uh, look, does that does that kind of help help lead us into that? When when we've spent time in the Word of God, and you just go wow. Yeah, that's true. And then there are times we get off our knees, and I say that in a way we've been praying. Let's say, and you, you get out, and you've had just I mean a really good experience just letting. And it's not always that way, you know, in that same way. But yet we recognize that this has been a special time when you worship with God's people. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. At first, it's an objective truth, but then this is where the joy comes in.
1: But that's with any relationship. At first, I think you go on feelings, but then it becomes a relationship. It becomes there is more trials. Yeah, there becomes more. There's more into that. It's been a tested relationship, I guess you'd say, and that's through the trials and stuff. And then that's that, I think that's where you because yeah, I think you do start with feelings. Yeah. You say maybe the goosebumps or whatever they want to say, but he proves it to be a true one through the trials and stuff.
0: To, to this, to be lasting, the, the feelings are, are are always going to come and go. They're always going to. We, we cannot let the feelings deceive us. Uh, and they're good. They're meant for us. As a matter of fact, when we get to the word joy, some of that is the feeling part of it. But still yet, we know there's a joy that even though you don't even feel like it, you still know that we are commanded to rejoice. There's a joy that God has given us. That's why all of this is so inexpressible. It's so great that even when things are at the worst, we still know that we can count on Him. And that's a joy. But the feelings sure do play in it too though. But because of our love and because of our faith, then we can have those feelings of joy too. But that doesn't... We can't go by that as the standard. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. Go I, go, I go back to uh, Jesus and Peter having that set when they did, again, you know, in the Gospels where Jesus telling Peter, you know, if you love me, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And this is a manifestation right here, one of, them, of Peter doing just that. He's, he's loving the Lord because he's, following what Jesus told him to do. Feed my sheep. But he's doing it in the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it's like we need help with it, but he's he's fulfilling his commission.
0: It's coming alive, what he was told
2: Yeah, and so I guess, so for me I'm thinking, alright, am I doing what the Lord has commanded me to do? And, And if I'm doing that, you know, if I'm checking myself on that regularly and, and i kind of staying on track, then I can see where you know I'm being intentional in loving. Don't necessarily always feel like it, you know, don't have a feeling. Obedience. Yeah. Obedience. yeah, you don't have a, a yeah. you know, it's not a, a, always a religious affection.
1: But so well, a lot of times, you know, you're supposed to do something, you don't feel like. Yeah. That. But later
2: it's like with your family, you, know, yeah. you have obligations you to do things out of because you know that's your responsibility. And and we can't hide behind a tree and say, Well, you never told me to do that Lord. you know, especially the more we get into the word, you know, we we know what we're supposed to do. So so we can kind of check ourselves, I think, Audrey, but you know, when you talk about quantifying, not necessarily how giddy am I about Jesus all the time? But because there are people like you know, it's like wow, you know, like <laughs> my daughter acts like that a lot. You know, she'll, if a boy asks her out, especially, do you love Jesus? <laughs> like, what? But her response, you know, and <laughs> I think she's put off a lot of boys that way. But, well, but uh, you know, and I, I admire that. But I, that's not the way that I communicate that, I, you know, in my stage of life and you know, my personality. So we kind of check ourselves on that. I think by, are we doing what he's told us to do? You know, that could be your ministry within your own family, within your own circle of influence. You know, are, you, are you thinking about him and what he's having to do in these situations? So I just wanted to add that. Yeah,
0: that's um, that's that's where it really comes to life. He, uh, and where I see
2: Peter teaching the sheep.
0: That's what's so neat about this. You see what, as he interacted with Jesus, yeah. and he knew him face to face, yet now he's got the power of the spirit. Whenever he was with Jesus face to face, he was a lot different than he is later on after the Holy Spirit has, you know, <laughs> taken over, and as, as we see this happen, and especially, of course, in this epistle, he, is, he has given them an encouragement that is just. I think inexpressible, <laughs> yeah. and two thousand years later, he's feeding us. Right. I'm being encouraged. I read this, and I read it within all oh, the last few weeks, and I keep going over there. I go, my, this just keeps getting better and better, and it sure helps me to get through the everyday life. And so, boy, is it practical, but it's it's real. It's definitely objective. So, uh, oh, I think of First Peter two seven. Yeah, we can't we can't ever uh, forget about what Peter went through whenever Jesus was asking him about loving, I and mean, here we are talking about it on that topic. It's so real, he says this. He's talking about the cornerstone. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. This precious, this precious cornerstone. Oh, That sounds like Lord of the Rings now. (laughs) Precious. And you notice in verse 7, he says that more precious than gold. And this is a real thing. Loving Christ means experiencing Christ as precious for all the very character, the virtue of Christ. Now, let's go through a a few verses about about this. Kind of backing this up a little more. 1 Corinthians 16. So Peter says something there about love. And then Paul says something about 1 Corinthians 16.22 If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Maranatha. He is to be accursed. Damned. So, and of course Christians are the only ones who love the Lord. Thank the Lord that He's Put that into us, First John chapter four verse nineteen. So here's another one, and of course John had seen Christ. Matter of fact, he is called the what? The beloved one. We love because he first loved us. If someone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. I've actually heard some people actually say, yeah, I love God. And they'll come out almost in the same uh, moment and say, but there are certain people they can't... I mean, they hate. And they'll even use the word hate. I uh, I, I'm, I was flabbergasted when I heard that. It's like, how can you say you hate them and, and at the same time love God? And... Uh, that's a that's a powerful thing there. It's uh, dealing with very love of God has been put into us because he loved us. Ephesians six, twenty four. Twenty four. That was a very close relative of mine who said that. It kind of bored me. But it didn't. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Our love will never corrupt. Because it's the perfect love that comes from John fourteen fifteen. Some familiar verses and some verses go, hmm. If you love me, you will... Keep my commandments. So love and obedience go together, don't they? If you'll love me? Don't remember. Commandments. First John says a lot of that. Uh, verse twenty one. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. And Verse twenty four. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Peter, John, Paul, all those guys, they they know about that. Um, And these people here, even though they didn't meet Jesus like Peter did, even though these people that Peter's writing to never touched him, Never walked with him. They never saw him face to face. They never they never ate with him. They never walked with him. They didn't hear his voice. And Peter says, though you've not seen him, you love him.
2: I bet he remembers though when Thomas, you know, when Jesus told him, you know, put your fingers mm. in my punctures and you know, in my hands and all in my side and all that. And I bet Peter remembers that. Yeah. And that's you know, how Jesus pronounced a blessing on those that have not seen
1: Have
2: not. So. That's yeah. Verse right there. Oh, is it.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> your thunder.
0: Well, I guess we're <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we're going <laughs> to <correct>. Which <laughs> verse is that? <laughs> I think the first
1: one under number two, Bob. John 2029
0: 20, 20, Oh, thanks.
1: <laughs> yeah, <that's my> <laughs> <laughs> what Bob just read that one, right?
0: So, Peter's saying, hey, I really know that your your joy is going to flow out of the love that you have for Christ. One you've not even seen. None of us have seen Him. But yet, we love Him. You can't describe that. Well, that next one then. Okay, there's... There are two elements of a relationship when you think of people that get married, for instance. They have to have love and there has to be trust, right? You you cannot separate those two. Well, this is what we have here. Here he brings forth love in verse 8 and then he talks about believing in him. Love and trust. Love and believing. Um, they are must. They cannot be separated. They go together. That's what binds us together in intimacy with, with our Lord and Savior Christ. We love Him. We trust Him. And of course, what does John twenty twenty nine 29 say? <laughs> <God's got it. laughs> um, oh, 1 Corinthians 13. Do you remember this? Love believes all things. Love believes. Love believes. Faith takes the record that we have of Jesus Christ the Gospels, the whole account, throughout Scripture. And in that, we, we see beauty. And as the years go by, do you see more and more beauty of Christ? I mean, He is beautiful. The loveliness of Christ. And He leads us to loving Him. So the more faith that we have in Christ, I mean, there's there's a, we're all given a measure of faith, but what I mean by that faith is Trusting in Him even more so. You know, you get into situations and before you had a hard time really believing that He could do this and now there's been a track record that He's proving that He's always come through, hasn't He? He's never let us down once. Never has. Never will. He will not do that. But the more knowledge that we have that goes into the heart, not just the head knowledge, but the knowledge of the heart, the stronger the love becomes. So now we trust in Him because our faith is being made stronger by knowing this and then going through experiences and we love Him even more. You know, It just kind of keeps building. Um, it's amazing though, He will always love us the same way. He doesn't have degrees of love. It's not that, you know, oh, I don't love Dennis as much today as I did yesterday. You know. Or I'm gonna love him more. You know, he he loves us the same he can't be any more love. I mean it's to the extreme max. And <laughs> how do you explain that? That's but our love will just become more and more. And uh, he can hate, right? what's that? He
1: can hate though. Because did he say, Jacob I loved and he thought I hated? Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He'll never hate us, right? Because he can't. It's one of the things he can't do. Because if he has a total love for us, he will make sure that that's the way it's going to be. But if he, hate,
1: he can hate. us, yeah. Right.
0: <coughs> and of course. And 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 it's always and and we could be one of his items of hate. But he has chosen not to do that. And not for any reason of ours. I, I I don't know why. I really don't. He just wanted to do that. Believing and loving. Believing and loving. Loving and trusting. And then, might as well put the obey thing in there. It's not there necessarily right at the moment, but I think that's all part and parcel. You know, love, obedience, love, faith, trust and obey, for there's no other way. <laughs> That's how you show your love. So, how does it manifest? How does faith, love manifest? Okay, you long to promote His glory, do you not? We all want to glorify God. I mean, that's why we exist. And you say, "Well, I, I want to do it more." And don't you have a thought of, "I just want to serve Him more," and you know, I, I, I just can't serve Him enough, right? You long to serve him. You delight, delight, do, like, do you delight in the beauty of Christ? Okay, this is all part of it. Uh, do you love to talk about him? Like you're talking about your daughter. I mean, it comes right into the conversation right off the bat. Doesn't even know anybody. What <laughs> are talking about him? You know, that's that's fantastic. We love to fellowship with him. We love to commune with him, one on one with people. Um, you desire to know him better. You desire to know him deeper. May not always be as much as what we would we would like, but those are some of the things I think, uh, like like Audrey was talking about. How how can we quantify this? How can we kind of establish to for our own thoughts? We know what the objective aspect is, but what about our subjective aspect? Well, it's those kind of things. I, do you long for him? Well, sure. Do you do you do you hate sin? Well, yeah. Just do you you, you like to talk about him? Yeah. Well, that's. That's manifesting your faith in Him and your love. Robert Layton. Anybody ever heard of him? Wrote in the eighteen hundreds, eighteen fifty. He wrote this commentary on First Peter. Tremendous commentary. I'll read a paragraph. You ready? This is good. Believe, and you shall love. Believe in Christ, you will love Him. Believe much, and you shall love much. Labor for strong and deep persuasion of the glorious things which are spoken of Christ, and this will command love. Certainly did men indeed believe His worth, they would accordingly love Him. When you see His worth. (laughs) Yeah, sure you want to give Him that worth, that praise. He goes on to say, For the reasonable creature cannot but affect that most which it firmly believes to be the worthiest of affection. And he's the worthiest of all affection. Oh, this mischievous unbelief is that which makes the heart cold and dead toward God. Seek then to believe Christ's excellency and His love to us and our interest in Him and this will kindle such a fire in the heart as will make it ascend in a sacrifice of love to Him. End of quote. That kind of sums it up, doesn't it? It's profound, but... I think it makes sense. If you seek the excellencies of Christ and His love that He has for us, then our interest in Him should kind of build a fire. Wanting more. I think that's the heart of having a relationship with Christ. We trust Him and we love Him. We see His Word, we trust Him maybe more. Do you enjoy that kind of relationship? Ha <laughs> ha. That's the cause for joy, isn't it? You love Him, you believe Him. More joy. Do you ever just read about Christ and you start rejoicing? you ever read maybe a commentary or hear a message where somebody has preached Christ and you have rejoicing? Uh, and, and it's in prayer. You just rejoice because you believe in Him. I, hey, I just believe in Him. No deep thought or anything. I, yeah, I trust in Him. It gives you a sense of joy. Does that help, Audrey? Does that help you guys? Yeah. Yeah. I've always, down through the years, I would say, well, you know, yeah, I I love him, but I don't know how do I, how do I? I don't even think I feel like I even show it. Well, we can't measure our our finite
1: love against infinite love anywhere, right? We're not going to realize that our our capability of infinite love until we're. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and so, and Peter knows that, and I think that's why he's encouraging them on. Hey, this is what you believers are doing, huh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you can carry on a good
2: uh, uh, deep emotional relationship with the Lord, just you know, reading the Psalms, meditating on those, you know, in your own personal time. Yeah.
1: You know, reading some of the um, different letters that Paul wrote, too, and just changing the pronoun to I and me, and mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're in prayer, when you're talking and those almost in those prayers, and those are very joyous. Yeah.
0: He's speaking to us, isn't he? That is personal. A personal love letter to me, to you. right? Okay? Man, isn't that, isn't that great when you really think about that? It's just, just amazing. So it makes you want to rejoice and that's what the the next one is here. Okay, though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him. That's what they're doing. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible. And I know a lot of us say, wait a minute, Yeah, I'm rejoicing, but I'm not so sure about this inexpressible joy and I'm not so sure about this greatly rejoicing. I wish I were, but you are. (laughs) And he's saying as a result, joy is connected with love and trust. Joy is a part of love and part of faith. I think it would be a contradiction to say, hey, I'm really attracted to the uh, preciousness of Christ and the beauty of Him, but I really don't have any joy. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, how can you say that? You, you really can't. I, I have no feelings towards him, even though he's a you know he's really beautiful. How can you be a believer, you know? How can you have that belief and that kind of love and not have some kind of joy? Uh, it'd be a contradiction to say, "Hey, I'm really confident in him. I'm trusting in him, what he's going to do." But you know, I, I really have no feelings in this confidence. You can't say that, can you? We may feel like it, but here it is. Peter's connecting those together. Let's look in Philippians 1.25. Let's see if we can get some backup here. Real stuff. This is real stuff we can use, isn't it? Paul says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Your progress. I consider that to be a progressive sanctification. As we progress in the Lord, as we grow in grace and knowledge, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, for your progress and joy in the faith. That's, that's the reason I'm here. I, I'd rather... You know, it'd be good... I. Uh, I'd like to go be with the Lord, but I'm remaining here and here's what I'm here for. I want to see you progress. I want to see the joy. What a heart. How about Romans 15:13? Paul again. Now, may the God of hope fill you. Just fill you up, you jars of clay. <laughs> With all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're able to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes that happen. May God the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. Not just some, but just fill you up. Uh, how about Second Corinthians chapter one twenty four? Well, what, what uh, Paul prayed for it that they would have that, and uh, of course I know he's he's there uh, giving it to us, but we need to sense that and experience it. Um, sometimes maybe it might be just say, thank you, Lord, for giving the joy. Thank you for giving the peace that I have. Make me realize it more in my life. I I know that that you've given me everything I need for uh, for this life, right? one twenty four? Not that we lord it over your faith, but are workers with you for your joy. For your joy for in your faith you are standing firm. We are workers with you. What's the reason? For their joy. For their joy. That's that's what he lives for. Ministry. That's a that's quite a love, isn't it?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, What did Jesus say in John 15? Same kind of thing, wasn't it? Remember this one? These things I have spoken to you so that my joy, this is Jesus speaking, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. To have a full joy. I spoke these things to you. And this is the, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. You are in divine, and I'm telling you that this is all about your joy, and my joy is in you. You have His joy. I want you to experience it now. It's what kind of a joy does Peter say it is? Inexpressible. Inexpressible. How do you say that? <laughs> he expressed <laughs> it with an inexpressible Anolateo it's, 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 it's above any kind of language it's beyond any kind of words any kind of speech any kind of way you can put it out with your mind. we can't even say it Anolateo yeah it's A-N-A L-A-T-E-O I can't express that to you, Barb.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. This
0: is a word that you don't really run into much. Um, And it's new to me. A lot of times I'll just use Greek words that you guys would be familiar with or English. I'm not trying to do some kind of uh, Greek class, but uh, boy, I, I might be interested in that Greek class um it 's so divine that it exceeds any kind of power of speech that we could come up with think of the the greatest person who just is just so gracious in their words and how they speak, and they can 't come up with it paul couldn 't come up with it peter couldn 't come up with it and um so it 's something that can 't even be communicated It goes way beyond it 's hard enough to communicate love to other people, you know what I mean. You know, I love you. I, I mean, then you might come out with, I really love you. No, you don't understand. I really, really love you. <laughs> I mean, after a while, how far can you go with this, you know? Uh, love is love, but it goes even further here. Uh, inexpressible and full of glory, energized completely with the glory of God. You greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible. That's what kind of joy they have. And I'm sure a lot of them will say, Peter, what are, you, what are you talking about? I don't feel too much like rejoicing here. And he's saying, yeah, you rejoice. It's inexpressible how you rejoice. And you're full of glory. It's full of glory. It's supernatural endowment. This, uh, our joy is kind of like taking heavenly joy that has come down to us because our love has come down from heaven, in a sense, a heavenly love that produces a heavenly joy that can't even be described.
1: Do you think the outward expression of that joy to someone who really is a non-Christian is just the sense of calm assuredness that we have about our salvation? Because I remember before I was a Christian, yeah. you know, I don't have God's view. Bible numbers, and you know all kinds of pejorative remarks for him. but yet I been impressed because that's what I saw in him: this calm reassurance about something that I didn't mm. know about what. And I think that's joy. Don't you think? in
0: the midst of turmoil. Absolutely. That's, that's joy. That is probably one of the best testimonies that a Christian has. I can I can think of Penny when she lost Carl. And how she went through that, and she really loved Carl. I'm telling you, some of you guys might know Jill Carl, may not. It's, that's right, that's right. You <laughs> can't see him right <laughs> now. But how she went through that was, you know, and I knew that she probably could do that and would do it, but it made an impact on all of us. The whole church and everybody around everybody that knew him, Johnny and Frieda, you know they were very good friends with with uh, Carl and um you know you guys were you know all part of that, and then we saw how Penny was able to to get through that and it's just if, if it'd been any other if you wouldn't have been a believer, that would have been so difficult and How many times have you heard of that where somebody has gone through some terrible times? And they had this inner thing. And you say, I don't know if I could do that or not. Well, you may not know now, but when that time comes, you only have one option to be relying on. And Christians almost always just shine through in in those times. It makes an impact like nothing else.
1: Well, you you wouldn't be able to do it on your own. You have to do it with the power of the Spirit. And if you're not a Christian, you don't have that. So. He speaking of Amazing. going through the death of both of my parents without being a Christian. Hmm.
2: Is that um, pretty hard?
1: Yeah, I, I suffered from major depression after both of them. Hmm. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so, and I, I don't think that what happened now. I mean, you know, I still grieve and everything, but I would have that calm assurance that you know, just the power I get through I, I was that I would hope to pray that's how it would be yeah
0: that's um that speaks volumes huge so beyond and this is a uh, this right here and as we move into uh, well one other thing I was thinking about we crave christ, we really do we crave, and we can't have enough uh Christians are constantly doing we We're becoming like Christ. We know that. We're relying on Him. And we can think of all the glory about Him and such. And we're being changed from one level of glory to another level of glory. Second Corinthians talks about, was that 3.18, I believe. And we're attracted by Him. And as we see that beauty, He's changing us into... Um, this and, that, and of course I think this is why this joy happens and it, it just moves automatically into that verse nine. Our joy is inexpressible and it 's glorified as he says, full of glory it 's a joy in loving Christ, trusting Christ. those two words and in- inexpressibly glorious. Now that last verse, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, And he talked about that proof of your faith in verse 7. Here's the outcome. The salvation of your souls. We've already been saved. Now, this is kind of an ongoing deliverance. And it's leading to the ultimate. But even right now, flowing out of that personal fellowship and love that we have of Christ, because we trust in Him, the outcome of our faith, which we have here, is now obtained. The salvation of our souls. We are being saved even right now. Our souls are being saved. Uh, You possess the outcome of your faith. The result, the end. Uh, The logical end of it we know is salvation of our souls. and That means the whole person. Mind, emotions, wills. Uh, But this is a present tense. An ongoing present tense deliverance. He's continually delivering us as we take those strokes up the river against godliness, ungodliness. What are we? Hey, what are we delivered from? Sin, Satan, death, hell, uh, hell, guilt, right, wrath, all those things, distress, distress. That's what they were having. We can finish this up, I think. Oh yeah, that's about time to close it out. We we need to go back to this Christians not seeing Christ but yet we do see Christ in another sense. We talked about that a lot. Jonathan Edwards wrote so much on it. But we see Him in a sense that our physical eyes we know do not. But we see something that's even more important. We'd love to see Him but look in Romans fifteen twenty, and twenty one This is where it really all starts. We're about ready to close it up here twenty and twenty one and thus, I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. They who had no news of him shall see. They shall see. They'll see with their, uh, their heart. 2 Corinthians four six. Great passage. For God, who said, "Light shall shine out of darkness," is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Light, sight out of darkness. Hundreds of people in the lifetime of Jesus saw him publicly, but never really saw him. Seeing. They did not see. Now, there's a spiritual saying, and and I know Carolyn and Penny, and some of you guys might remember, and maybe Bob, possibly. Well, Janice and Eldon might remember this, too. And I think Audrey might know. It's a Michael Card song. To hear with my heart, to see with my soul, be guided by a hand I cannot hold. To trust in a way that I cannot see. That's what faith must be. To see with my soul. And of course, he's talking about that. Hearing with our heart. Seeing with our soul. And uh, there's there's your trust there. And uh, seeing Christ through the Word of God. When the Gospel of Christ is preached... We see Christ more clearly. Did, did you guys recognize? Any of you guys remember yeah. that song? Yeah. We see Christ more clearly of who He really is every time you get into the Gospels. You look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John, just for instance. When you see Christ walking here on earth, you get a sense of Him, of the true glory of Christ, even more than you ever did before. And, you know, most of the people... You know, a lot of people in Israel, they saw Him. They they knew Him on earth. There were people like Nicodemus and Syrophoenician woman, the centurion, the widow, you know, the thief on the cross. Some of these people, you know, these people were believers. You know, they became believers. But yet we see things in Him that they didn't see. Because if you start looking at the Gospels, the four Gospels that are complimentary pictures or portraits of who He is, and you put all those together, the Gospels are actually better than being there. And I, I, I it wouldn't have been neat to have been there right there. But honestly, when we look at the Gospels, we see far more than they ever got to see because you're taken into the inner circle of the apostles. Who else could have gone in there? We see Him in Gethsemane. How many people saw Him in Gethsemane? And then we see Him at the trials. And then we see Him at the crucifixion. And then we see Him at the resurrection. And then we see Him at the ascension. And then you hear whole sermons that are recorded in here. And you think of the Sermon on the Mount. And then you start thinking Him at the Sea of Galilee. And there He is walking along the beach. And you see all these things in Scripture. And the wisdom that He has, the tenderness that He has with children, and then the compassion that he had towards the lepers, and his meekness in the suffering that he went through, and the patience that he had with our man here, Peter. (laughs) When you start looking at this Christ, and you see that love, and then he had the power to still the storms, and all the miracles that he did, and cast out the demons, and multiplied the bread, right? And... The apostles saw most of these things. But we get to see the whole gamut and looking at it through the eyes of the Word of God and the Spirit of God and it leaps off the page to us. Though we don't see Him now, you see Him far better than thousands who ever saw Him face to face. What a blessing that is. The glory of God shining in our faces at every turn of the page of the Gospels, the Epistles, the Old Testament. You see him in there. And the flag is waving. So as we continue to swim upstream with what? Love. Here's the faith stroke. And here is the the joy stroke. It's hard. It can be difficult. But there's a reason for all that. And you know what? That is Christianity, as Peter is putting it. There's a lot of different ways to describe it. That's the way Peter has kind of helped us do that. And then um, we just kind of try to help see it a little bit more. Hey, do you guys rejoice? How's the song go? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again Amen.
1: Uh,
0: anybody know? I, I don't know, we, we sang them for years. Did you guys sing that song? I don't know who did it. We just did it. Yeah. So these guys over there should have been singing one part. We could have been doing it. We'll try that next time. If we're still rejoicing, will we will we be rejoicing next week? <laughs> hey, thank you guys for coming out. It's been real